First Class Fatherhood. That is where Alec Lace comes in with his popular podcast. And one of the most interesting was on a podcast. Alec Lace interviews high-profile fathers from actors to NFL players with a vision to change the narrative of fatherhood and family life. What is doing, everybody? Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. I'm Alec Lace. Happy and honored, as always, to be here with you guys. I have got some tremendous news to hit you guys with right out of the gate. Uh, this is an, actually a milestone event, a milestone episode for the podcast here. I have partnered up with Olympic gold medalist Sean Johnson and her husband, NFL athlete Andrew East, to move First Class Fatherhood over to their family-made media network, I'm really honored to be a part of what they're doing over there. They put out some tremendous family-focused content, and I really am aligned with their mission. I had the opportunity to fly out there to Nashville, Tennessee with my son Aiden and spend some time with the East family. They really are a a first-class couple, first-class family uh, all the way. And so if you guys are new to the podcast here, I encourage you to go through and check out the archives of the podcast. You'll see all the interviews that I've done with so many amazing dads from all different fields, all different walks of life. Uh, NFL superstars like Tom Brady, Deion Sanders, Kurt Warner. You'll see Dana White, Tony Hawk, Matthew McConaughey, Steve Harvey, Howie Mandel, uh, Navy SEALs like Jocko Willink, Marcus Luttrell. The list really goes on and on. Over 600 dads have joined me here on the podcast to share their fatherhood journey, their family journey, their faith journey at times. So I really, really encourage you to go through and take a look and see what it's all about. As for myself, I am a 41-year-old father of four children. I have three boys and a little princess, a baby girl. She just turned eight. Uh, She's still my baby. We have been married 17 years. We're still very much in the middle of our own family journey, our marriage journey, our faith journeys. So I look to grow with you guys, and I really focus here on the fatherless crisis that we have going on in our country. We have got way too many kids growing up without a father or a father figure in their home, and it is having a devastating impact on our society. In fact, one in four kids in America are growing up without a dad in the home, and that number is tightening. That number is getting worse. It's going in the wrong direction. The United States leads the world in single-parent households, and the overwhelming majority of those households are fatherless. And if you look at all the stats all across the board as it compares to uh, teenage suicide, teenage drug use, high school dropouts, teenage pregnancy, Uh, teenage incarceration, all of those things and many others, if you look at them, the chances of teens, kids getting involved in any of those greatly, greatly and dramatically increases when there is no father in the home. So let's get more dads involved with their kids' lives. Let's really shine the spotlight on what fatherhood and family life is all about. And how I do that is by bringing in guys that have really just crushed it, no matter what field they're in, and they all testify that despite all these accomplishments, despite all these great things I've done in my life, it has only been true to the experience of becoming a father that has given me any real sense of fulfillment in life. I really encourage you to go through the podcast, go through the archives, check out all the dads, over 600 of them that have been by the podcast. Follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace. That's where I'll be uh, making all the future guest announcements. In fact, this weekend, uh, Friday, Friday's episode, I'm bringing you the NFL Hall of Fame Media Day sessions that I was able to take part in, the second year in a row that I was able to do that. So there's five NFL dads that are going into the Hall of Fame this weekend. And on Friday, I'm going to upload the episode where I had a chance to speak to each and every one of them about fatherhood. I think you really enjoy it, so I encourage you to check that out. Also, this weekend is the fourth annual Navy SEAL swim across the Hudson River. 
Last year, I was able to be out there with those guys. If you don't know anything about me, you'll come to know that I am a big supporter of our military, and I bring a lot of military dads on the podcast here. I've had over 65 Navy SEALs on the podcast. They hold a special place in my heart. I'm always uh, just amazed by the mindset on our warriors, but they will be swimming across the Hudson River, and I will be there on a barge in the middle of the Hudson River, uh, getting some sound bites, doing some on-the-spot interviews. I will be putting the content up on my social media, so please follow me on Instagram at Alec on the School Lace, or on my other account. There is at First Class Fatherhood. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook at Alec Lace. You'll find me all over the place, guys. If you just Google First Class Fatherhood, I'm bound to show up somewhere. I did write a best-selling book. It was a best-selling book on Amazon, five different categories, including parenting, fatherhood, and a few others. First Class Fatherhood, Advice and Wisdom from High Profile Dads. It's really a collaboration uh, of so much of the great advice that's been dished out here on the podcast. You can pick that up on Amazon. You'll find the link in the description of today's podcast episode. As I mentioned, today is the very first day that I am a part of the Family Made Media Network. I cannot say thank you enough to Andrew and Sean for welcoming me into their home to be there uh, with their family just to get a chance to spend a few days. They were nothing but hospitable to me and my son Aiden who made the trip out there. Uh, And What better way to kick off my time here on Family Made than to do the first interview with Sean Johnson and Andrew East. So that's what you guys are going to hear straight up. Please help me. I encourage you guys here to spread the word about this podcast. Any father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, let them know about First Class Fatherhood and what is going on here. Help spread the word. Let's blow the podcast up. We really need to put more focus on family life in this country. I think if we could strengthen our family units and bring our Heavenly Father back into our society, I think the majority of the problems we're seeing are going to just start to evaporate quickly. Don't forget, check the link in the description of this podcast episode. You'll find out so much more about me, First Class Fatherhood, and what we're doing here. Every day is Father's Day right here on First Class Fatherhood. And I'm going to be right back with Sean Johnson and Andrew East. I'm Alec Lace. You're listening to First Class Fatherhood. What's doing, everybody? Alec Lace here live from Nashville, Tennessee. I got the East family here. I am extremely honored to be able to join the Family Made podcast, move First Class Fatherhood over there, inspire so many more people. I'm really humbled that I have this opportunity. Uh, Andrew, I've had you on the podcast a couple of times. Now I get to be here with you and your wife, Sean. Uh, Thank you for having me here, and thank you for joining me on First Class Fatherhood. Thanks for having us. This is truly an honor. We're so excited to have you. Yeah, I'm honored to be a First Class Father alum. This is my second go around with yep. this. I'm pumped, but you definitely got the uh, the better half of us here, so it's going to be a better interview. Well, I know the last time that I had you on the show, I asked you if you were ready to go for baby number two. Yes. And you were like, I oh think I think Sean might be ready. I think she's ready. We're going <laughs> to yeah. start. So now let's give my listeners an update. How many kids we got? How old are they? Uh, two kids. Our daughter is two and a half, almost three, and our son just turned one last week. And is uh, three on the table? Are we two and out? One and one and we're good? Or are we going to break the tie? Three is on the table, but not for a while. Okay. Yeah. And by a while, she means a week. Oh, okay. We're, we're right. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I've gotten Andrew's take on this once before, but I, I'm curious for you. Obviously, you've had a tremendous career. Uh, you, you've reached the height of your um, genre, your career of uh, in the Olympics, gymnastics. You've had all these experiences. How did the experience for you of becoming a mom kind of change your perspective on life? I feel like it changed every perspective on life that I ever had. I feel like I worked so hard um, in my career as a gymnast and then kind of an entrepreneur to perfect everything. And 
I worked really hard to have this sense of confidence of like success and ability. And then when I became a parent, it's like it all went out the window. I, I've never felt so um, unprepared for something as I did to be like when we became a parent because I'm such a perfectionist by nature. And when you're a parent, it's impossible to be perfect. And so that, that failure every single day of trying to figure out how to take care of a child was really humbling. Yeah, well said. And Andrew, what was it like for you? Obviously, getting married is a life-changing experience, but what was it like for you to watch Sean mm -hmm. become a mom? What was it like to see her take on the role of motherhood? It's really been amazing. It's been one of the, the joys of my life, uh, I feel. I miss her whole competitive career, so I never see, saw her compete at gymnastics a single time, but I did catch a glimpse of what she was like in that mode, just her, her first couple of years uh, in retirement and how she approached working out or how she approached her career was so intense. So, you know, she would prepare for everything. She had this uh, kind of mindset to attack it. And then to see her soften into motherhood, it's been amazing. It's like you, you really understand your, your spouse, your partner in a, in a different light and you know, there's definitely a lot of transition that happens and, and there's like a little bit of friction and, and frustration that can occur because there's, it's like it unlocks this whole new aspect of, of her. But as soon as you embrace that, there's something beautiful about that. And uh, it's like, the, it's like this Sorry. amazing journey, like a treasure hunt of discovering something new. So are you crying? Are you crying? It's oh, okay. But it's a, I'm so sorry. <laughs> that was an emotional bomb you hit her with there. But listen, for, for me too, it's the same thing. Like uh, I didn't know my wife as a mom when I met her. I yeah. remember that feeling of like watching her hold a baby for the first time. That wasn't ours. She was so nervous and so like, I don't know how I'm ever going to do this. And then it right. comes to you so naturally and your mindset shifts. What was it like for you to watch Andrew then become a father and, and, and take on the role of fatherhood? Uh, so different because I feel like I knew Andrew through the NFL, through his like college career through like his his entrepreneurial career um but then to see him become a dad I feel like you try to predict what they're going to be like because of his father or his grandparents um but he just became his own person when it when it meant being a dad and it was it's really special you softened a lot which is really special part of like special thing to witness and I feel like it's really hard as a spouse to like take a step back and see how your spouse loves you. You can feel it, but you can't really see it. But to see him love our children from a distance and to see that affection and that, that just soul caring for someone was really, really special. And it's something that you can't experience until you're there. Like I was telling my son Aiden who made the trip out here with me because him and my oldest son is six, he's 16 and they have some friction going on between them. And it's like, I tell him, you'll understand more where mm -hmm. he's coming from when you get there and you're 16 and you're a teenager. And you'll then you'll be like, oh, now I know why he might have been like that. And it's the same thing with parenthood. Like, I felt like, I think all of us get that. Like, now I know what my dad was talking about. Now I know what my mom, and you can't yeah. really get that until you're there. And one thing, I, I ask a lot of the celebrities and stuff that I interview, my father was a used car salesman. Mm -hmm. So the bar wasn't set very high for me to you know, achieve. You guys have really set the standards high. Olympic gold medalist, NFL football player. You guys reached the height of your professions. That could put pressure on a kid growing up. So have you guys thought about that and how you're going to make you, hey, you don't have to be in the Olympics. You don't have to be in the NFL. You're good who you are. Have you thought that out? I know they're very young yet, but has that come into your thought process at all? We've talked about that probably more than we've talked about any other topic 
as it pertains to kids. We started talking about that way before we even started having kids because that was my personal biggest fear. Having Andrew been in the NFL, me being in the Olympics, my worst fear is that in having a kid, they will feel pressured to reach that same success and not even just by us, but by society. And so for us, it's just been a conversation of how can we encourage our kids every single day to feel like they are empowered to go do something, but not, um, but I, I don't want them to feel like they're ever having to earn our love by a success rating, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's so hard because as a, as a spouse, I want to show Sean that I'm so proud of her and like impressed by her. So like my tendency would be with any award that she wins to like put it on the shelf or display it. But even with that stuff, with our kids now, we're trying to be much more cautious because we don't want Drew to see mom's Olympic leotard hang on the wall and feel like this shadow of of pressure that she has to do something similar to that. But I mean, it's with so many topics in life, I feel like there's this, this fine line and balance that you have to strike where it's like, you know, sending your kids to school. It's like you want to send them to um, a, a super safe place but you don't want them to be sheltered too much or like with, and it's like, how do you, how do you expose them to with our careers? It's like showing them that you can achieve great things like your mom has done, but not having that morph into this, this pressure, you know, it's like, it's, it's a conundrum and we're, we're trying to navigate it thoughtfully, but it's, it's, it's tough. Right. Like if you're not doing somersaults by five, you failed. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to have yeah. that, that pressure. And then, what about the relationship with your father? How was the relationship with your dad before, during, and then after your Olympic, your gymnastics career? I am. I want to say I'm one of the luckiest kids in the entire world because my dad was completely consistent. And I, I can stand by that, and I believe that wholeheartedly. His love never changed, ever. And I remember the same, the same dad before I ever started gymnastics is the same dad that I have now. He's so proud, and he's... You'll if you talk to Andrew, he's the quietest guy in the world. If you ask him a question about me, he just starts like exploding with words about like all of these experiences in life that I got to do. Um, but it's no different than he's ever been. And I, I just remember every single day that I would train or I would go to soccer practice or I'd go to track and field practice or I would go to piano lessons, whatever it was, he would just remind me that like he's one so proud of me into that he loved me no matter what, even if I quit the next day. And yeah, he just stayed consistent, which is like my goal with my kids. What about you, Andrew? Same with your dad. How was it before, during football, now after the football? And how was he as, as a grandfather too as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's so fun to grow up and appreciate your parents in a different way as you become a parent and like realize how hard that task is. Uh, and really, you know, I'm fortunate that my dad did so many things right. And I feel like the thing he did best was, I mean, my dad is in a lot of ways, the opposite of Sean's dad. He's super vocal. He like, you know, if you ask him a question, he'll talk for a half hour and then, you know, we're on a way different subject. Um, but he also, to his credit is like this amazing dreamer and like visionary. And, and really when he has an idea, he's not scared of, of what might keep him from it or what obstacles he might occur, like uh, incur. It's, he just says, I like this idea. I'm going to pursue it. It's worthy. It's a worthy cause. And I'm going to do what I have to do to get there. And, 
in so many ways, uh, even though I didn't know it, I adopted that mindset. And so it was like, you know, when I was five years into my NFL journey and I hadn't played a game, it was still because of how my dad, you know, ingrained this mindset in me. I was like, no, this, this can happen. It's a possibility. And so, um, he was so supportive all the way through. Like he was the dad that would stand on top of the press box and like film literally every single game. We have all these footage, like all this footage. He was at every game and it was, it was fun to see how involved he was. Um, but by no means was overbearing. He was like supportive, but not expectant of, of success. Yeah. So cool. And then what about as far as one of the things like Andrew knows, like my parents passed away before I became a father mm-hmm. and my, my wife's parents are estranged. They're not involved in the kid's life. So it's really been just me and her through the journey. That's been hard at times mm-hmm. with nobody to lean on, but also from watching other couples, sometimes it could be a benefit to not have the in-laws, yeah. which they call the outlaws sometimes. <laughs> yeah. How is your in-laws relationship? How's your relationship with Sean's parents and how's your relationship with Andrew's? Well, uh, you met my in-laws. I am fortunate to see them literally every single day. Every single day. Every single day. Yeah. Um, which I, I never like thought that that would be what my life would look like, but, um, it's fun because, again, in understanding Sean and who she is, I feel like by knowing them better, I get to understand Sean better because, like, you know, the, it, it trickles down. To her, their personalities are some mixture of what she is. And uh, so they're great. I'm, I'm super thankful. I would say the same thing about his parents. Um, so lucky. They are the best in-laws I could ask for. We don't get to see them every day, but um, when we do get to see them, they live to be grandparents. And I grew up without grandparents, so I was very similar situation where I never had that relationship, and I didn't know, I didn't know what, like, the grandparent relationship was like, but to see them love so hard their children, but even more so their grandchildren is really, really special. Yeah, so cool. We're looking forward to kind of building that ourselves since we didn't have it. When they eventually marry, have kids, we look forward to having that big. I'm not in any hurry to get there, but. Yeah. And and then, obviously, what you guys do now, at which I love that you guys are putting out this positive content. We have so much negative content out mm-hmm. there. But you guys, your kids are on there. They're front and center in a lot of the stuff that you do. I Right before I flew out here, I did the interview with Amanda Knox and her husband. They've chosen, like a lot of people do, to not put their kids on social yep. media. There's a lot of people have whatever reasons may be. Some decide not to do it. Some will put the kid with just the, the back or like a little smiley face over the kid. You guys have them front and center. Was this a decision you guys talked about beforehand? And have you had the conversation like, hey, maybe we should wind it down it, 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 when the kids get old enough to say, I don't want to do this. Have you had that discussion about how you're going to play this out? We have. Again, we've exhausted that conversation. We still try to have it every week to kind of recheck where we're do- like what we're doing and how we're doing it. Um, our goal, I think similar to your podcast is to do everything from the lens of a parent. So we're not trying to chronicle our children's lives. We're trying to chronicle our lives so that when the day comes, if they're like, mom, I don't want to be a part of your Instagram anymore. I don't want to be part of this. That is a hundred percent their decision in that. Like we will respect that. But at the end of the day, we came to the conclusion that the world is so heavily, um, social media focused that if we can raise them in a in a household that knows how to respect it and to navigate it responsibly, I think that's the best way in our situation to equip our children with the tools that they need to to learn it. It's terrifying. I my our big fear is that we're doing it the wrong way. Um, 
But for us, that's kind of our decision we're with at the moment, and it might change tomorrow. I feel so fortunate because uh, we've been doing YouTube now for seven years and have been around so many families who have done it well and then also families who have not done it well, and, and it's really torn the the unit apart. But in a lot of ways, uh, you know, Sean brings such uh, a great perspective and valuable perspective to this issue. She turned 12, she turned professional at the age of 12. And Mm -hmm. so like has this, um, I would say respect for what the limelight does, like how that affects when you go to school or how you interact with your peers or what questions you're at, you're asked. So we're, we're trying to navigate it thoughtfully, but it is like, no one's, no one's had social media before 10 years ago. So it's like, we're, we're trying to figure it out as well. Yeah, and talking about some of those reality TV, I did a few interviews with Matt Roloff, who has the longest-running family reality TV show with Little People Big World. Well, last year he had found out that one of his sons was abused by one of the producers from the show a few years back, and it really made him feel like he failed as a father, mm-hmm. that he wasn't protecting his kids. And now, obviously, his vetting process for the show has gotten much stricter, uh, and, and it has created fr- friction in the family from doing the show over a number of years have you guys, I met some of the girls here, obviously, with family made her around. Do you guys have a strong vetting process of who you're going to allow being around your kids? And has that been a concern for you guys? Uh, yes, very much so. Um, I don't know what, like, our particular vetting process is. Anymore, we um, kind of have a system where as we hire, they have to go through many, um, many of us. So they start with Andrew. They go through my parents. They go through everybody and I would say the, the last call is myself. And I think there have been situations where we we haven't encountered anybody that's that's bad or negative or any kind, but it's kind of just that mama gut. When someone walks in and I don't feel comfortable with them, it's like, I'm sorry, but you can't work with, with us anymore. So we try to hire people that we would like our children to um, admire and kind of respect and vice versa but yeah I think it's just more of a mom gut thing how about you Andres anything to add there on that I I think I probably err on the side of trusting people too much and so it's been really (laughs) insightful just with Sean like uh she's had so many experiences a lot you know some negative with people and there's a lot we could get into there but like uh her always being a check of like hey you know what he's not the right fit or mm-hmm. he doesn't belong around our family i'm like all right done deal like i noticed that this morning with the people coming to fix the gas so you're like all right go ahead and she was already yeah. knowing about it yeah i know about it yeah. you know so i think it's it's one of the more beautiful things about andrew and it's i think what balances out our relationship i for some reason i think because of my past because i did turn professional at 12 and i was just kind of exposed to so much at such a young age i don't trust you earn trust and with Andrew, it's basically like he trusts you until he doesn't. And for us, we, we really balance each other out that way. But I'm always the skeptic. Very cool. Yeah. What about as far as family traditions, you guys carrying any over from your families? You start any new ones? What are some of the traditions you guys got going on? Uh, it's been so fun. So I come from, I'm the middle of five kids mm-hmm. and we have, Sean's an only child. So that yeah. different you know experience is, is super interesting. With holiday, and Sean and I have, have done this more and more as we've, grown older and had our own kids but like sitting down and and writing down the traditions we had had as a kid the ones that we liked and the ones we want to continue doing um so like christmas morning we have this whole 
setup where uh, the kids wake the parents up and then, you know, we do a present the night before and then there's like this whole sequence of events. So Matching pajamas, yeah, all of that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. But that's just one example. I feel like with um, like Easter, we have our own mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. It's uh, yeah. I think that actually shocked us about kids. I felt like when we were dating and married without children, it was so easy to kind of still do everything that we grew up with. So go to his family side of like holidays and do everything and then go to my family side. And then all of a sudden you have children and you're like, oh my gosh, I have my own family now that I want to create my own like moments with. And it's been really special. Like you said, writing down all of our traditions and trying to figure out how to merge them and kind of create this massive family community traditional uh, or traditions that kind of continue. And yeah, it's just been, it's been really interesting, but it's been really fun. Are you elf on the shelf or? We have not done that yet. (laughs) Yeah. Neither of us did that growing up. No. No, it only came around in like 20, it's 2005, 2006, it started. So that guy or girl cleaned up on that deal. Uh, Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Did pretty well. They made it well. And and I want to say like probably the best part of this trip for me and the one that made me feel like I'm in the right place and I made the right choice is we went out to eat lunch yesterday with Andrew and before we ate, he said, hey, do you mind if we say a prayer before Mm -hmm. we eat? And faith is a big part of our family. We pray together as a family before dinner every night. Um, my three boys are altar boys. The relationship with God is important. So talk to me just real quick, if you could, about your faith. Is it something you two have in common? Are you kind of in the same place with that? And how important is faith in raising your children? Um, I think when we first started dating and we got married, we were definitely both raised in very faith-forward families, but it looked very different. So I wasn't raised in like a church-going family, but I was raised in a, we pray every night, God is your drive, God is your like um, compass and your path. Um, And so like I learned religion that way more as like a a guidance. And I feel like, I don't want to speak for you, but Andrew grew up more in like the the church-going, reading through the Bible every night, praying more traditionally um, faith-based. And so when we merged that, it became almost even stronger because I definitely, we think we are, we know we want to raise our children in a very faith forward um, family, but I think it just goes to like teaching all of our morals and our values and like all of the important things in life. How about you, Andrew? Yeah. I mean, I've, again, it's one of those things that I've, I've grown to appreciate more as I've aged. Um, And I'm 30 now. I have, I have friends who, you know, in college, were hey this is a fun party guy and he he drinks he goes out drinks four or five uh nights a week and you and now no 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 not me i was gonna say that doesn't sound like like you but now you know fast forward 10 years and now they're struggling with addiction and all Mm -hmm. this and so that not to say that the purpose of faith is so that you don't drink alcohol by no means um but the derivative effects i've really seen pan out to have you know wonderful ripple effect in in our life and and how my parents raised me and and keeping me focused on something and and instilling purpose in me um again not not even that purpose for me is as andrew is a purpose of me believing in in jesus but like uh there there are these these beautiful branches that come from faith and so as i look at my son and and know that there are so many people who who don't know 
why they're here or don't wake up um, understanding that, that they can make uh, an impact in the world, whether that be with their family or with their friends or with their school or with their immediate community. It's like I have, um, I've definitely been growing to try to be more intentional in understanding the lessons that uh, I can teach my son and so many of the truths that we hear through, you know, all these self-help people, whether it be Tony Robbins or, you know, whoever, name your guy, they're like biblically based. Like Mm -hmm. there, there's only one truth. Right. And, and I think a lot of that comes from the Bible. So that's like, you know, as I read more books, it's like, wow, Oh, that's a biblical concept. That's a biblical concept. And it's like, it's, it's because it's true. And so just trying to, to dig in more to that and, um, be more aware of it myself so that I can share it with my, with my kids and my wife. Uh, it's like a, it's like a really fun and important practice. It's like the original self-help book is the Bible Mm -hmm. in a sense. Right. And I've always found throughout my life, I'm no expert in it by any means, uh, but I found the further away I got from my faith, the worst things got in my life. Mm -hmm. And then as I started to get closer to my faith, faith, by coincidence, life started getting better for me. Yeah. But I do know, like we're, I'm married 17 years now. And you guys are married seven, I believe. Almost seven. Almost seven. seven. There's a lot of changes that take place. And, you know, sometimes you you go to school four years to study to be a doctor. You'll go to school to study to be whatever your profession is going to be. And you're kind of, before they give you the keys to the job, you have an apprenticeship and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Where marriage, it's not like that. You you don't Mm -hmm. study for it. It's not something that you practice. You get in it and you figure it out as you go. And sometimes if you don't have like a marriage plan, it could fall apart really Mm -hmm. quickly. So... How do you guys make sure that you have time for yourselves, that you're working on your marriage, and that you're looking out for the future, not only just for your marriage, but for the future of your kids as well? I feel like to a certain extent we learned that the hard way and then implemented later on within our marriage, like guidelines and rules and boundaries to protect that. But both Andrew and I, as soon as we got married, went completely separate directions. I went on a tour for like five months. He started the NFL We started traveling the world, having all these jobs, and we didn't really protect that marriage for each other. And we kind of grew farther apart a little bit after we got married. And so I think it was like our second or third year, we started doing these yearly goals where we would sit down once a year and we would would write out our life plan and how can we protect us and our family. We would go through finances and kids and dreams and all of these things to make sure on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, we were kind of headed in the right direction. And we've continued that. We'll now do that once a year. We'll do it once a month. Um, But we do things like we do weekly date night. We do it every Thursday night. Um, We try to have so many nights with our friends and so many nights with our family. Uh, But we truly try to connect with each other continually and make sure um, we're putting our marriage first because we're firm believers that if our marriage is strong, we're better parents and kind of like our family falls in line as well. Intentionality is the the one word that comes to mind. Uh, I think Andy Stanley says that every, everyone gets somewhere in life. Some people get there on purpose. Mm-hmm. And so like, I don't know, until I was 26, I never really knew what I wanted my future to look like. Not to say that that's the only scenario like that outcome that I'm envisioning is is the only one that will make me fulfilled but it's like are you walking down a path intentionally and like if you are then you're going to end up somewhere close like you're going to get 
you're going to get somewhere uh, closer to, to where you want to go. And it might not be the exact spot, but <clears throat> with Sean, um, we had, we had a point like, especially after our first kid where, you know, life happens and the baby's crying and you're not sleeping. And like, all you want to do is lay on the couch and watch a movie or like, you know, not talk. That's too much energy, right? It's too much effort. But then we realized we took a step back. We like really watching two hours of Netflix after the, the baby goes down doesn't like fill us up at all. It doesn't recharge us. So what are the things that we do? Like let's write down a list of activities that we do that actually makes us feel connected makes us feel more energized. And so now we have a tangible list of things where like, okay, Drew goes down, let's spend 15 minutes sitting down and having eye to eye contact, uh, you know, eye to eye conversation with each other. Cause when Sean and I do that, it's like, we feel like we're really strong and building our relationship. And so just, you know, trying to take steps and being aware of the fact that, you know, thing you can slip into to habits, you could slip into survival mode and, and then wake up five years later and not know what happened. Or you can, you know, try to be aware, you know, <laughs> it's crazy because I met my wife at 23. We got married at 24, had our first kid at 25 I'm 41 now, and I'm not the same person that I was at 23. I'm far different, and so is she. So it's like, and it, it should be that way. I mean, you should continue to grow, develop, change, and 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 become. But it's 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 what a journey it is, and it's awesome to go through it with somebody, yeah. and be able to work on it together. So I I love what you guys do. I love what you stand for. I love Family Made. You guys are working on the Family Made. I know you're always doing something, Ninja Warrior. You got <laughs> some. What's next for you guys? You working on any kind of other projects for each of you? What what's coming up? Is there anything uh, in the hopper? Uh, well, I have plenty of you have uh, plenty. I'm I'm doing. I I sign up for any and all competition I can. Yeah. So I'm doing a ping pong tournament next week. I'm doing a CrossFit competition uh, in September. Another one in October. I think Sean's going to do Ninja next year. I don't know. We shall see. I don't know. Um, but yeah, th- that's another thing of intentionality. It's like okay, if I put this event on the calendar three months from now, of like I have to be in competition shape for this event that's going to shape how I spend today and tomorrow and the, and the days leading up to it. So uh, as far as like competitions, there's no shortage of those. We did a, our first car race this year. We did the roughest road in the world, the roughest race in the world. I don't think we'll do that one again. That was brutal. It was it like was, four hours of, of just nonsense. It, yeah. We're usually pretty adventurous oh, and we're like, man. we'll jump out of planes. We'll do all the crazy stuff. Um, but after doing that road race, we're like, I think we've checked that one off. I'm not I done. I think we're done. I'm not done racing. You're doing it no, again. I want to do another you one. You want to do but that, that one all, again? <laughs> yes. I, in a bet. Have anyway. you guys ever done? I had uh, uh, Joe DeSena on the podcast a few times. He started, he created Spartan Race. Have you guys ever yes. done any? Have that you done that? Yeah, we did that yeah. four weeks after I gave birth to Jack. Wow. Yeah. Flex. Casual flex. That was <laughs> Scary. Um, but by far the, the project that we're working on that's that's most exciting to us is is family made mm-hmm. and this network. You, you called it positive content. I would call it really just important content. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we interviewed you on on our show. Um, thank you for giving us the time. But like we, we discussed this this idea that there's so many things in society that that polarize us and tear us apart. And Sean and I took a step back and and thought, what was the what's the glue that you know, pulls political parties together or, you know, estranged families together or, or like wh- whatever it is. And it's like, sorry, estranged families was a bad, was a bad example, but like family is that, is that one, yeah is the one glue that like people get, you know, people empathize with. And 
And I understand that, you know? Well, I think we saw it firsthand during, like, the pandemic. There were so many things that happened that tore people apart, cultural indifference, gender inequality, um, race inequality, political differences, all of these things. And we even saw it with close friends of ours being pulled in different directions. But then we would call each other up and be like, oh, my gosh, my kid just got sick. What did you do with your kid then? And we just noticed that there was this tie between family that kind of kept people close and kept kept people bonded that really nothing else in the world did. And when you pull up Instagram and you see all of these negative headlines, it just it takes a toll on your soul. And we really wanted to kind of put family first and show the world that there are unifying things between all of us that can pretty much hopefully heal everybody. And, and parenthood, I think, does that. Like, if you're at a high school football game and a kid gets hurt bad yeah. and the parent rolls running on the field, you're not wondering, I wonder if that guy, what party he's with, what religion no. is he? You automatically empathize with the dad 100%. because or the mom because you're right there. And I have no doubt, I spoke to Andrew about this yesterday, I talk about the fatherless crisis that we have. I have mm-hmm. no doubt that if we can strengthen our family units in mm-hmm. this country, bring fathers back into the home, bring our heavenly father back into our society, there's no doubt our country would be a much better place, mm-hmm. almost uh, it, all of our real social issues would evaporate almost overnight. Absolutely. And truly, if we just even generalizing that a little bit more, if you if you bring family back, I feel like people have even tried to polarize the idea of family, that it has to look a very specific way. And you have to, I don't know, go through so many steps. And I, I truly just believe if you center yourself in a family focused world, it just will make things better. Yeah. But we love what you do. I mean, it's it's awesome. It's, it, again, a fine balance of how do you share, like, this family-centric content without mm-hmm. being cheesy or, like, over-baking it almost. And you're sitting down with people of all different backgrounds, of all different professions, of all different expertise, uh, celebrities that people want to hear from, and talking about this subject matter that they want to speak about. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when, when this opportunity came about to, to include you and we have shared values, shared, shared mission, and we're so excited to, uh, to, to change the world with you. you know? and, and that's the key. Like you look at the, like the backdrops that I have. You can look through the 600-something people that join me on the show. You'll see almost every category denomination represented there. And the point is the one thing that pulls us all together. We all want our kids to succeed. We want them to be mm-hmm. happy. We want to protect them. We don't want to see them hurt. And we're trying to raise good children. We all have that in common. So the last thing I love to always ask everybody that comes on the show, and I'll start here with you, oh, what kind of advice would you have for that new mom or for that about-to-be uh, mom that's out there listening? Oh, my gosh. Um, I would say it's the best piece of advice I was ever given with Drew when we had our first kid, which is stop listening to everybody else's opinions and just be be a mom and truly follow your mom heart and your mom gut. There's so many people who think you can do things so wrong and so right and I think if you truly love your kid and you're trying to do your best for him, that's all that matters. Yeah, well said. Andrew, bring us home. What kind of advice do you have for the new dad or about to be father out there? My life motto is make yourself comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I don't think anything does that better than parenting, uh, especially in the first couple of years of having a new baby. It's like so much is new. There's You're not familiar with anything. You've never done it. I've never changed a diaper. I don't know how to give this kid a bath or like whatever. Like he's got snot. Do I, whatever. There's a million things. And so don't be daunted or intimidated by that. I view it as an exciting challenge and like what an amazing way to learn new things. It's, it's a once in a lifetime journey. Um, I'm telling myself this as much as anything because we have two sick kids at home, but like yeah. it's an amazing journey. 
and you only get it once. So, mm-hmm. you know, enjoy it. I love that. I love the message. It's been an honor for me. I'm humbled to be here with you guys, Thank be you. a part of Family Made, and really hope hope to make an impact on so many different lives out there. So you guys are first-class parents all the way, and thank you for giving me a few minutes of your time on First Class Fatherhood. Thank you, Alec. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Andrew East and Sean Johnson. Uh, just, you know, not just for joining me on the podcast, but for welcoming me into their home and into their family made media network. It really means a lot to me. You guys that have been following me on the podcast here over the years uh, know how much this has become like a fifth child to me. Uh, it really means so much. And really, for them to just welcome me in the way that they did, uh, I, I had the opportunity to be there. They, they treated my son and myself with so much class and respect. I, I really can't say enough about what an awesome family they are. I'm so humbled to be a part of what they're doing. I look forward to really making an impact out there with dads, with parents, and just really hoping to make an impact. I look forward to growing with them here as we continue to just really spread some positive and some just real content about family life, fatherhood, and the whole bit. As I mentioned at the top there, Friday is going to be my NFL Hall of Fame Media Day episode. Don't miss out on that. Five NFL dads are going into the Hall of Fame this weekend, and I had the opportunity to speak to each and every one of them about fatherhood. So don't miss that one. Coming up on Friday, you'll find the link uh, in the description below to the YouTube channel for First Class Fatherhood. We're available there. You can listen wherever podcasts are heard. I I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you to all the listeners that have been out there with me from the beginning. You'll never know how much your support has really meant to keep me going here with this podcast. Uh, You guys are really what has made it what it is today, and I cannot wait to see where it is headed. And I owe all of that future success to you as well. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I'm Alec Lace. Don't forget, guys, we're not babysitters. We're fathers, and we're not just fathers. We you are have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. First Class Fatherhood is a family-made media podcast. Please visit www.firstclassfatherhood.com or www.familymade.com to find out more details. You can order First Class Fatherhood advice and wisdom from high-profile dads on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will never depart from it. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.